Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515-245-4330 or via email at michaelkeener at griefsydney.com. That's M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney.com, G-R-E-F-E-S-I-D-N-E-Y.com. mkeener at griefsydney.com. Michael Keener, attorney at law. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. I'm Ben Brackett here at Soccer Talk with my good friend and co-host, Blake Sievers. Blake, what's up? Ben, good to be back in the studio. Um, always feel welcome. and I know after being on the road, nothing like coming home. That's right. Almost sleeping like in your own bed, doing a pod in our studio. I love it. Um, so if you have not been paying attention to the pod recently, we're doing a local college soccer preview, touching on uh, our two Des Moines universities, Grandview and Drake, and both the men's and women's programs. Uh, it's been a pretty cool little, uh, little series so far. Absolutely. You know, today's guest, Blair Reed, we talk, you know, one kind of thing I thought was interesting, uh, we talk a little bit about the daily life of the student athlete in college, challenges, uh, some of the responsibilities they have as far as nutrition, sleep, uh, class schedule, trying to balance all that. So uh, for all those kids, players, and parents that are listening, um, just like I said, I think there's a few things that may open your eyes a little bit that I definitely thought were, uh, were insightful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Blair, obviously uh, very generous with his time, as this will be his uh, second time on the pod. He's one of a, a few uh, or small sample size of distinguished guests. Um, he's maybe he's, he's creeping on that. Uh, oh, we're going to have to come up with like a thing for when people come a certain amount of times. Okay, anyway, so Blair's been on. I just got a little bit of ADD catching up there for me. Um, Blake, are you pretty excited for this interview or what? I am, yeah. We kind of dig into the Grandview, start to the Grandview season. Uh, they're three and two, a couple close losses to a uh, ranked team or two. And uh, I'm, I 
thought it was good, and I'm going to be quiet. So Yeah, I think there's really only good. one thing left to do. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Blair Reed, to the pod, the Grandview men's head coach. Blair, how are you doing today? Ben, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Hopefully a little more comfortable this time, second second go around. You're yeah, you, coming can't, up. you can't use your first I question. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I, I'm always nervous. I never know what you boys are going <laughs> to surprise me with, you know, like what's the biggest pencil in the world or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, of course we're here to talk about uh, your boys and uh, – we didn't. We you know we've been doing this kind of college soccer preview, um, you know, focusing on the local local schools, um, and we're a little late. You guys, you're a couple games, few games in your season now, but yeah. uh, want to talk a little bit about preseason, uh, talk about the game, the you know what you've had so far, and then kind of you know we'll touch on a few things and then open it up. But um, maybe just kind of give us a, a quick overview. How's preseason been, and how did it go? Sure, uh, preseason went well. It's uh, I think all coaches, it's a uh, arduous process. There's a lot going on as far as not only training, but what I find, uh, maybe this is just specific to Grandview, but I don't think it is, all the administrative duties that need to be accomplished, whether it's uh, getting physicals all done, insurance information, uh, dorm contracts, financial aid. It's a real hectic time, not only for the coaches and the student athletes, but it seems that type, time of year administration really wants to make sure everything is uh, collected paperwork-wise and they feel a lot more secure. So yeah. we're always that first couple of days when the boys come in, we're going through, uh, you know, making sure everyone's got their physical, they're signed up, they're fully registered. Uh, a lot of that work is taken uh, care of ahead of time, but there's always that group of athletes that last minute Charlie's, especially on the men's side of things. I think we guys are a bit more disorganized. But um, so that's always, I'm always relieved that now we can finally get back and, and get down to the work intended. So our preseason is, uh, you know, it's a process. And um, uh, is it like two days, fitness tests, stuff like that? It is. We do a little bit of fitness. Probably our biggest thing is we do a two-mile run. And, and uh, that kind of, it's for time. Is through the streets over at Grandview. I've measured out exactly two miles. Uh, there's a few little dips and hills and stuff, so it's not a flat run. And that, you know, if we can get guys to be like um, 11.45 and under, we feel they've got a good fitness base. So it's for time, and it's a really competitive run too. I'm always leaving the pack in my car, and uh, suddenly you look in the rearview mirror and like, it's like, where is everyone? <laughs> so I've been listening to the radio going 30 miles an hour. And uh, so I have to slow it down. And then you see the front runner. And uh, What's you your know. fastest time on that? Uh, it was, this year it was like 10.45. Uh -huh. uh, one year it was like 10.15. Travis Barton, kid from Utah, drove all the way from Utah, got to Grandview 6 in the morning. Our run was at 7, got out of his car and ran 10, 15. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding you. He had a little pent up energy then, I guess. <laughs> we don't know how he did it, but uh, uh, but it, it's a nice course. It's not, like I said, it's not flat. There's like, there's hills, but they're not steep hills, but they're half a mile, three quarter mile gradual hills. Mm -hmm. So you start out sprinting, then you get halfway up that hill and you, your legs like, holy smokes. This, yeah. What, you know. um, so you get, so that's our, that's, excuse that's, me, interrupting. No. That's, that's really our big fitness thing. We might do a little bit of bench, see who's got a bench, maybe a, a vertical jump or stuff. But 
you, if you don't have the fitness, the stamina base, it's, it's hard to play how we like to play. So what do you do with those results then? So obviously I'm assuming it's a wide range, right? You've got the guys that are quick. You've got this we should ask near, the <laughs> near 12 minutes. <laughs> um, but you got, you know, some programs do extra fitness. Some you don't get a train until you quote pass the test and then the bench. Just give us your, what do you guys do with the, how do you well, measure? What do you after measure? we find the guys that get lost because they're way behind the pack, they're probably not going to be making varsity, but, uh, uh, we ridicule the guys who are uh, uh, under over 12 minutes, and we cut them right there. I'm just kidding. I was just saying, I would not. No, that's pretty harsh. I would that's never play for deadpan that for Blair. No, we we uh, you know obviously we gather the data. We as coaches we look at it. So we say okay, um, we've kind of predicted these guys are in this position, that position. It's always nice to see the guys who got picked for midfield have really good. Uh, you know, fitness space and stuff. But we just use it as a motivator. We, we post them so the guys can see what they did. Um, the nice thing is our goalkeepers don't have to do it. If there's anything a goalkeeper hates is running two miles, right? He wants that 18 to 20 yard distance sprint. So we actually have a session for those guys as the boys are doing the run. The guys are going through a fitness session with the keeper coach. We but, used to have the goalies do a relay race. Because oh. we, we used to run the track, so they'd sit and just tag each other off. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I think it just, I mean, that's pretty interesting for all the listeners that have um, parents that have high school players, players that are in high school. You know, from a coach's standpoint, if somebody comes in unfit, it tells you right away, doesn't it? it what it, they've done all summer and how much they care and their dedication. No matter what the fitness test is, because yeah. I mean, you know, even you're doing that, or you know, I've heard some some schools are doing like like they do all sorts of shuttle runs and it's repeats and all right. sorts of stuff. But either way, you're still getting it. I mean, you're going coming in and you're getting your feet held to fire. Like, are you fit or not? That's right. And you know what? For uh, the the most more importantly for me, it tells you those guys that over the summer actually took care of business to come in to preseason so we can not focus a lot on fitness but more um, tactical work and, and uh, you know uh, working with the ball. A lot of our fitness, uh, whether you're fit or not, is with the ball. That two mile run is the only time they run a, run a long distance for the whole season unless we get a little bit upset with them then we just run <laughs> it until we you know we're satisfied. But, We've been there. but we, yeah, <laughs> we like to do lots of work and exercises with the ball and, and, and you know try to get a high rate out of it and if you're not fit you cannot do that. So um, it does say a lot about the guys that are unfit. Um, it's always a disappointment when there's returning players that you uh, are giving a bigger role to and they don't come in as fit as they should. Well, that was what I was going to say is you're tracking this obviously so you, yep. your freshman year you kind of you, you want to come in and set a standard because you want to play but at the same time you're also you come, might set the bar a little higher than you intend right then you got to live up to that for the next four years. And, and, and you're, you're correct but on the other side sometimes the freshmen come in they have no idea what the level is yeah and they're doing hey I, I ran it in 12 10 I'm feeling pretty good you know I think I can get under 12 when some guys are coming in under 11 minutes or stuff suddenly they realize that but uh, yeah it's um, fitness is important uh, for this game simply to the fact that you do a lot of running don't you I mean there's no avoidance uh, on, on any position even our defenders uh, outside backs are probably one of the most important attacking positions in the modern game I'd say last five years or so you well, know. In, the, in the college game you're playing you know how I mean of your roster uh, are you I mean are you dipping much past like 15 16 guys most I mean you know in a, in a close game I mean I don't know I, I just and I the substitution rules will play a part in that exactly yeah exactly they, kind of they do I I would say in a real close game we go 15 to 18 deep um, we we don't think 
most of our guys can go a full 90 minutes at a high level. So you have to have some depth, especially in some positions. I think if you even look at the professional game, it always seems the guys coming off seem to be those outside players that are connecting, getting forward, getting back and stuff. Nobody at any level can maintain the sort of uh, requirements of the uh, the outside player, the, the outside mids or wingers or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, we go 16, I think 15, 16 to 18 deep. Uh, if we're getting beat by a lot or we're winning by a lot, we'll get everybody out there yeah. and stuff. Sure. Maybe transition kind of that into your season. Um, you know, at the college game, a lot of games are Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. You're playing two a week, if yeah, not three a lot of times. Yeah, yep. So just talk about that and the recovery and just kind of how you guys structure your season, trainings, mm -hmm. travel, kind of all that deal. You know, that's a, I think that's a major point of contention at a lot of the levels in, in college soccer because especially when you get into conference season, things come fast and furious and you are playing two games a week. And uh, load up the academic side of things for those kids where they have that uh, um, mental part of the academic side and then the soccer, then games and the travel. It is a lot. Some guys have to work too. Some there's some boys that have part-time jobs simply yeah. to the fact that their uh, financial situation requires it. Yeah, so I, mean, yeah. I just remember that from in school for me. There were always a couple yeah. guys that had a, you know they'd get some hours here there. Or, Absolutely. Would, did you know how that was, Ben? I, mean, well, I, I didn't. Did, I didn't but... work. I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, they had like experiment. Like literally, the science department would do experiments, and you could be a test subject for like eight bucks. And I was like. Sweet, I'd go in, I'd spend 45 and, minutes. And, and that's smart. So that, that shows you were destined for success because that's a smart thing to do. But, you know, recovery is a big part of it. Um, you know, so if we play on a Tuesday night, obviously the next day we may decide just give the boys the day off. Let them sleep in as long as they can if they don't have 8 o'clock classes. Yeah. But just let them enjoy and then, um, you know, hit it again on, uh, you know, Thursday if we play Saturday. You know, if we play Wednesday and a Saturday, we may have them come in Thursday and do a team recovery because you don't have that one extra day and you just want to make sure the boys are up and about and doing things. Um, I think for us too, it would be really nice if we could monitor our uh, ability to uh, serve the right type of food. You know, you're at the mercy of the cafeteria, whether it's Grandview or probably a lot of universities. Yeah. Uh, now, big time universities have separate training tables, the right type of food and stuff. Um, but uh, we're always like, hey, try and eat a good balance of carbs and protein. Just don't load up on pizza. Don't just buy get the hamburgers are always serving and stuff. So that to me is always a difficult thing to control. Um, we don't have the personnel and you, the guys have got to eat what they feel is right for them. But uh, on the road, we can try and uh, tailor a decent meal. But uh, it's important. The, the diet is really important as well. But uh, yeah, recovery is, uh, it's, it's a big part of it, but rest is the most important key. And uh, again, when the kid has eight o'clock classes or nine o'clock classes every day, and you, you know, come back at one in the morning or two in the morning from a conference match, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, uh, it's an arduous process, you know. It'd be nice to have classes at a certain segment of time yeah. for everybody that you could control. Yeah. But for our, for our uh, institution, we just can't do that. So then talk about, so you've played, is it three or four games so far? Five. Five, five games. Yeah, five so, games. Can you believe it? Geez. I've been so, doing some research. Uh, of course you have. But so, so and, Well, we were talking about how many games over, I mean, like how long has the season been going, and you've mm -hmm. squeezed five games in in how many days? Mm -hmm. 
Well, our first game was August 20th, and we were officially allowed to start on August 6th. You know, and yeah. plus we had two scrimmages in between that time period. Yep. So I guess you could say seven matches at this point. Yeah, yeah and just look at it. I mean, the first week, 21st to the 28th, that's a week, seven days, you guys played three games. Yes. And uh, just kind of <clears> recap, uh, lost a nail-biter there to Bellevue, ranked 14th in the country, right? And then yeah. kind of responded um, with a couple wins before dropping yes. another one to... 20th ranked Columbia um, yes now back on the on the uh, on the up and up the win over Waldorf so um, kind of just so maybe three, three and two a couple losses to top ranked opponents yeah um, not bad you know and, and I was telling uh, speaking with Blake a little bit earlier as Ben was tardy again he was um, weird <laughs> shocking so, um, we were right in every game and from a statistical point um, we were you know, we pretty much controlled most of our games, uh, including the one-goal losses we had. But well, we were talking about that be... recently about how at college soccer, if it's if it's not a one-goal game, it's it's almost a blow because there's so many one-goal games, and that ends up being the difference in your season. It it, it does, and when you play a competitive schedule as the teams that we play do, um, it's it, games are tight. But um, I I feel we're moving in the right direction. We we learn from every game. Uh, when you lose a heartbreaker, games you think you should have got something out of, but you didn't. Um, those are the ones you want to see what happened. And sometimes there's a, an error or two that really led to why you lost. And other times you go, you know what, we played a heck of a game. The guy hit a 30-yard bomb or a guy shot, deflected off Jimmy's shoulder, went in. So, so be it. So you have to be at peace of, of that. The main thing for me is when we watch our game film is that the effort is there. Uh, the commitment is there. When you see players uh, maybe walking back or not, or giving an opponent too much room, that's the sort of things you need to correct because as you go further into the season, quality teams don't give you time. They don't give you room. They close down. They recover. They organize. Right. So expand so, on that a little bit. Do you got how actively do you use film and to what extent? So like, are, are you bringing players in and being like, "Hey, Gavin Nevshmal." See how you reacted there? Quit being a whiner. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gavin. I got you again, oh, I buddy. Love it, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. In, I know. In my career, yeah. the, that was the first time I'd ever gotten to really see myself play. And you know, it's like the when there are like little moments that come with the game, and it'll be like you know, moment nine uh, bracket didn't track back, and you're like, oh god. And you know, the whole team is watching, and then they show you react poorly, yes. and they rewind it, and they watch it again. Then they rewind. put it in slow mo, exactly. and you're like, and you're just trying to disappear. You're like, oh gosh. Um, I mean, so are you guys exactly. going to that extent? Yeah, you know, I think with the modernization of like huddle and sure. all those businesses, now you can upload games, and the guys can actually watch them. Uh, we're fortunate we could uh, after the game we can get it uploaded pretty soon and the guys can watch it even before practice or even if they know there's a film session uh, next day uh, they've already seen some things now have they dissected it as much as we have the coaches probably not maybe they're watching the wrong things everybody wants to see themselves playing what they did right and maybe mm -hmm. not so much what they did wrong but you, you're exactly right post it on YouTube so that their friends can see it that's right, right. <laughs> hey look at me I'm on Twitter I scored a goal. Oh, shoot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we try to be fair, and it's, it's all about uh, educating and, and coaching. And it's, you know, so when we see something wrong from an individual or individuals or a team as a whole, we try to pinpoint that as much as we can after reviewing the film as coaches. And then when we go into our uh, film session, 
uh, if we've cut segments or we might just watch the first 20 of the first half and point that out and then go to the second half and say, okay, now let's watch this 20. And, you know, so they can learn, you know, comparison. How did we start? How did we end? What was the difference? Was it things we did at halftime? Was it guys finally getting it, but not maybe the first half? So the video is hugely important. And the nice thing about Huddle is you can tell what players have watched the game. I don't know if you know that thing. Oh, they can log. You can see who's logged you in. You can see who's logged in or not. So maybe I've given away oh, a the secret. Secrets. So all those boys <laughs> we'll that see say, yeah, actually... coach, I've watched it. We can tell if you have or haven't. So It's also good. We'll see who listens to you on the pod. That's right. Yeah, yeah well, it's probably about two or three. Yeah, exactly. Minutes. Gavin Neshwell definitely is listening. Yeah. Kind of speaking about a couple of players. I mean, Aaron Williams is, looks like been the horse up top that you guys had kind of hoped he would kind of turn into, scoring what, five goals in five games. He's got five goals. Can you believe Aaron Williams from a year or so ago where he is now? I I, I know everybody goes, what are you doing to Aaron over there, apart from shock therapy? Um, <laughs> He's actually uh, becoming more of a student of the game. He's listening and he's trying, and uh, I think uh, he's trusting uh, what he sees, what he's learning, and I think the confidence that he's gaining by doing some of the things we're, as coach is suggesting, or working, um, you know, just leaps and bounds. I, I couldn't be more proud of Aaron's commitment, and um, you know, it's a like we all say to to Aaron and to lots of players, it's it's a constant. Uh, learning process, understanding the game, um, uh, understanding the game and how you put yourself in it in situations and that sort of mental part of the game takes time. Uh, but Aaron's really starting to uh, understand that and buy into it and, and try things which I don't think he did several years ago where he came from. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's been great seeing his, for want of better words, metamorphosis yeah. from where he was to yes. where he is now. And here's the thing, he can get better. And he's, um, he's got so many, I mean, he can just, he can fly. He, Physically, he's, yeah. right? He's got the speed, he's got strength, his touch is getting better, but it's got to he's be. He's got a little nose for goal too. He does, and he's not afraid to get in there, but um, we see uh, even better Aaron Williams uh, if he doesn't get injured and he continues to want to get better. And, and, and that's the case for any player. If they've got that drive that they want to uh, get better, I'm confident we can get those guys there. But, you know, if a player says it but doesn't, his actions don't uh, uh, show it, up, yeah. it's just a dream for that kid. Who else is uh, looking great to begin the year? You know, it's one of those things when, when I knew you guys may ask me that question and I'm always hesitant to start naming players because <laughs> on the drive home I go, oh shoot, I forgot so-and-so and he's been doing an awesome job. And uh, All right, well guys, if you're actually listening, But I can worry. tell you he's playing bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to call out names to give me a thought. So, no, it's coach speak. We don't like coach speak on the pod. No, we want direct talk. Is there anybody? So how about this? <laughs> and I love it. Uh, hey, our back four guys are tremendous. Okay, there you, you go. You got Jake okay. Gutierrez. Yep. You got Lion. Danny Cosma. You got Cade Longnecker. Couple you got guys. Jo you got Joe Bell, right? You know, I mean, Cade and, and uh, Jake are local lads yep. from what? Waukee? No, I think Cade was Johnston. Correct. I think. So, Long Cade, if I messed Waukee it up. High School. Is it? Yeah, yeah, Waukee. Okay. So they're both little warriors, aren't they? Yep. So, you know, I, I couldn't be more proud of our, our back four guys. Uh, I think they can be uh, one of the best back fours in the NEIA if they keep working hard and um, 
some silly mistakes we feel through communication have manifested in a couple of games. So take care of those things. I feel we could be um, a really, really top back four. Who, and our goalkeeper, goal right uh, Luis Carvajal, he transferred in at uh, Semester. Uh, it's from Costa Rica. And he actually played 2017 for Rio Grande. Uh, I think Rio at that time was a top five team, and I think they lost in the round of 16 or of the national term that year. But uh, Luis developed some uh, uh, health things and had to go back to Costa Rica and decided to look elsewhere and found us through uh, a recruiter. And, you know, we brought Luis in January, and he's done a very good job. Uh, we also have two very good goalkeepers as well, and Patrick Schwingenberger, a lad from Germany, and Nick Kelly, boy from uh, uh, Pleasant Valley. Iowa boy. Awesome. An, an Iowa Great. boy, yeah. So I love the local connection. Yeah, you know, and in your in your midfield, we've been playing um, uh, Joe Streetland, uh, boy from Norway. We have we have sometimes played with two holding mids. We've got Sam Pugh from Scotland. Uh, Lucas, he's quite the player. Yeah, Sam's a good player. He's a senior, and he's been like an uh, outside back, sometimes a center, um, uh, center, center back for us when we've had injuries. But Sam's really, you know, stepped up his game. Um, he's been doing a good job. Lucas Gutierrez has given us some significant minutes. A freshman That's kid exciting. again from Walkie, and um, uh, Phil Mann from uh, Philip Amon, I should say. Uh, <laughs> Phil Mann used to be a guy who coached at Dowling. Philip Philip Amon, um, kid from Germany, has come in, and, and uh, so I couldn't be more happier with those guys. And you know, you've got guys uh, um, up top, Aaron Williams, and. Uh, you know, Nino on the outside, one of our wingers, uh, a freshman or sophomore now from, from Spain. How's Mike and, Merchant doing? And uh, Mike, uh, Mike is, Mike's got the potential to be a very good goal scorer, but uh, he's struggling a little bit as late. I think tactically, he may not always grasp what we're trying to do. But when you want somebody with uh, the ball at his feet in a run at people, run at people <laughs> take people on, he's got that confidence and courage. He's just got to find that balance of when to do it, when not to do it. And um, I'm not going to blame his soccer background, but I don't think from a tactical standpoint, he's had a lot of that sort of coaching throughout his informative years, like sure. 11, 12, 13, 14. I could be wrong, yeah. but I just don't get that sense. But he's somebody you can count on coming in and making something happen. And, you know, Gavin has done a really good job on one wing. Um, he's probably a, a really good guy to get that crossover. He finds that little bit of half yard and can deliver a cross. We're just constantly working on him to make sure he understands the defensive part of the game, whether he's on the outside or we'll bring him into the middle as an attacking mid to replace Chicho, uh, Alessandro Vendetti, who I think when the ball's at Alessandro's feet, he's got he's a master of control and he's a real nightmare to break you down and stuff. But um, um, I, I couldn't be more pleased with how we're improving, but each player has some aspect of his game that he needs to get better at. And that's probably the last couple of games for, for me I've been harping on, um, uh, you know, for those individuals to understand it, believe it, and then start to take care of it, whether it's taking some extra shooting after training, extra crossing, working on your defensive abilities. Um, 
if players want to get better and every player says they do, they have to make that commitment to do the extra work because frankly, uh, we have maybe an hour and a half to two hours a day with these guys. It'd be great to have a um, you know, <laughs> five, six hours training every day and refine things and do this, but the college game's not set up that way. So talk so, about training a little bit then. So, I mean, so you talked about the recruit. Sorry. Um, the recruiting, you know, sorry, not the recruiting piece, but you talked about the recovery piece. Mm -hmm. um, but when you've got a little time between games, or even when you don't, mm -hmm. how are you, you know, what's, what's training like? Is it really competitive? Is it more tactical and trying to, you know, make sure you guys set up? Is it, you know, reviewing in preparation for the game, saying, okay, well, we play, I don't know, who is it you guys, the CMU you said coming up? Are you saying? We got Benedictine on Benedictine Tuesday. First. Okay. They're a top 25. Gotcha. So Benedictine, are you saying, okay, well, you know, they've got a big striker and we got to deal with that and sure. so we're going to train to deal like that, how, how's it yeah. look for you i'm going to say yes to everything you said awesome. um depending on the amount of time that we have in between games it could be um uh, it's a you know so i think benedict we've got what seven eight days from the last match yeah, so. yeah. Nice. so you know you don't feel you have to rush in and stuff uh we're actually waiting for um uh, each team in our conference has to upload their last non-conference video 48 hours before we play. <laughs> so the time we see their video will be on Sunday, possibly. <laughs> I was going to say, when do you guys upload yours? And ours, and ours <laughs> we, we, will, we will follow the rule of thumb. We've, our last conference game was against Waldorf, so we will upload it on Sunday. Sounds we will, like there's some maybe member institutions that have, have camera troubles sometimes. Huh? Well, you know, I think most of the teams in our conference are pretty good, but sometimes instead of that 48 hours, it just might be 56, yeah. or they upload it 3 in the morning, so you know, you know gonna so it's going to be there. But So I, I, I get that stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, so it... So obviously when we see their game, uh, their last non-conference game before we play them on Tuesday, we'll learn a little bit more about them. And then probably that next day or day and a half, we'll try implement things that we feel will help us against those guys, whether it's on the defensive side or on how, how do we break these guys down? How do we attack them? They got three at the back, four at the back. This is, you know, this is what we want to do. But because there's a little bit of time, um, practices, um, a good time to recover, maybe get a little extra training, competitive training in, uh, maybe do uh, an extended little run, you mm -hmm. know, just to a good like half hour run to get them warm and, you know, just kind of keep that uh, aerobic base up. And yeah. But you can change or uh, mix up your practices a little bit. And uh, uh, But probably but four days before you actually play, we really get down to business. I think if you try to do too much too soon with that amount of time, uh, you know, it's. It, it, I don't think it proves to be the right direction for us. Although we coaches are working hard, so when we do get down to business, we've done as much homework and calling other coaches and uh, as much as we can to get a feel for the opponent. And well, stuff. So I was going to ask: Is do you do you guys trade trade phone calls and trade scouting reports and trade video sometimes? You know, um, video is no longer secret because every conference game now has to get uploaded. So everyone sees film on each other. But at that non-conference part, there are certain coaches that know other coaches. And we know uh, some of the games that we played non-conference and we play another coach. He knows the coach we just played. They went to the same school. We know it's probably been shared or sure. information and uh, you know i think as a younger coach he said that's that's bs they shouldn't be doing that we made a commitment we wouldn't share but you know what I, it, 
you can waste too much energy on that stuff. Sure. Um, that was. So, I always thought that was interesting because uh, as a player growing up, like, and maybe you'll echo this. You go into a game and you you almost never know anything about the other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you played them before and then you got, or you maybe you'd heard about like one guy who was really good, but you, that was it. And then you go all of a sudden in college and it's like detailed scouting report and they know like what players doing this and that. And I remember initially being like, yeah, this is really cool, and in some situations it can be really helpful. But then there'd be sometimes where you've got like a whole week to prepare and it becomes this, you know, the guy that plays out wide. You know, he went from being like a pretty good player, and you, you talk him up all week, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, you're like intimidated, or you're yes. overthinking it, yes. and, and, it's, and you're more worried about the opponent instead of just going out and dictating the game yourself. Or... Ben, I think you're 100% right. I think sometimes uh, coaches can make too much of a deal of what you're going to do against this team and the individuals they have. I think that's a great point. You want to make sure that uh, you don't give too much information or build up another team or or players like they're unbelievable, you know, because um, I think the message to your team is like, oh, geez, coaches are really worried. Yeah. They they think we can't, you know. So it's a I, balance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I always say, you know, and, I, and I'm sure every coach has said this is I want teams to worry about what does Grandview do? We want to pick out one or two, three, four points that this team does. Maybe they've got certain set plays or how they run a certain corner defensively, offensively. Kind of pick out some things and then, you know, let let our guys know. But I've heard coach, well, number seven likes to go outside, but sometimes you'll cut inside. But if you play him to the outside, and I'm, if I'm a player, I'm going like, so you can't make him go outside or inside. So, coach, what do you do? Foul him. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. Anywhere's from 40 yards and out. Just foul it. Just kick him. I got uh, a couple. Are you done on that, Ben? Yeah, that's, okay. a, that's, that's a good point. Curious, yeah. yeah, I think uh, as a younger coach, sometimes you want it, you feel you have to cover so much. Sure. And before you know, it's an overload, and your guys are like, <laughs> you know. So, so we talked a little about individual and your team, and you guys have I think like six Iowans, seven Iowans that are kind of playing, making an impact. Talk a little about the yeah. Iowa boys high school age player. Mm-hmm. Um, you've fair to say I think you've had success over the years recruiting here in Iowa Mm -hmm. Um, maybe preface this too with you're like you you, I don't remember the last time you were involved in club soccer so I think which is interesting because it gives you just a different perspective because you're still coaching you're still you're still trying to bring those kids along but because yeah so you strictly are the Grandview men's coach you do Mm -hmm. not have another soccer gig in the club scene in ODP in the re in the la- Other than camps, right? I mean, that's yeah. the last thing I was a part of was the Menace from '94 to '97, and before that, Dowling High School from 1985 to 1993. And if you're listening and you want to go back and hear all the detail, you can go back. I don't know what episode Blair was on, but we got all the history of of soccer in Des Moines. We'll have, we'll have to maybe buzz that's that in the, uh, yeah. stuff. As Sorry. part of the history, I've got a few golden <laughs> nuggets. Uh, <laughs> but I know I'm retiring, I'm going to just blow up the podcast. <laughs> you won't want to miss this one. Uh, I love it. So, yeah, so just talk a little about how the Iowa player has evolved, changed, and then what um, what does the Iowa player in general, you know, we talked to the Drake, Coach Lindsay, and Vinci and stuff. Just talk a little bit about that and what Iowa needs to do to keep that play, especially on the boys' side mainly, because that's yeah. you, that's your expertise, keep improving and growing in that route. Well, that's, that's a lot. That's yeah. a, that is a podcast. It'd be great to have a panel of coaches and, and talk about that. But no, it's in the, it's it's in the works. works. Yeah. Oh. Mr. Reed. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I didn't say you were invited. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I keep coming back. 
Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I have seen the evolution of soccer in Iowa since uh, 1979, 80, and uh, seeing how it's grown and, and frankly, it's gotten better. I would say probably the last 10 years is becoming more and more um, in tune with the rest of the nation. I also thought we were a little bit behind or, or the majority of the clubs are a little bit behind. I think those clubs that started out actually hiring coaches, um, pro coaches to teach the game got off on the front foot, you know, uh, you know, like Iowa United, I think was one of the first precursors of actually having professional coaches take a group of individuals, all age groups, and trying to develop some sort of a curriculum, how they play. And I think since that advent, other clubs have, you know, picked up the mantle and, and have done that. So it's, it's getting better, but you know, you're only as good as the coaches you have, and you're only as good as the genetic genetics that every player has. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, this is not a, um, uh, uh, I'm not hammering any particular soccer club or soccer players, but if you are not predisposed to get better uh, strength-wise, speed-wise, all things that soccer can teach a player, if you have a certain limit genetically, no matter how hard you try, how much money you spend, what camps you go to, what individual instruction you have, all valid things, all things that will improve that player, but you have a you you have a ceiling at some point. So I think for me, um, club coaches, uh, the the players, uh, the parents, everybody associated with a certain club have a genuine understanding of the limitations of where a player or teams can go based on you know who's involved. So you're kind of talking um, about like the 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 player that's parents are you know kind of throwing money at it pushing them to go do extra stuff when it's clearly not gonna maybe well, get them to I, like they think that if they do all those things they will get a college scholarship and they will go on to play uh whereas maybe they just don't have like the innate talent right, or the <laughs> right well you know I, I i think talent is developed i think the the genetic makeup of a, an athlete male or female probably will dictate where he or she will go at some point. I, Ben, in some parts I agree with you, but it's okay to give your kids every opportunity to get better. Um, I'm not saying that's my stance, I'm just yeah. asking. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I'm, I would say I'm a little neutral on this. As far yeah, as I, I, I think it's good to, if you have the resources to um, improve your son's or daughter's ability to play in any sport, I think that's fantastic but have a realistic viewpoint. Um, if you think that kid might get a, uh, go to a high level team in any sport at a big scholarship, probably the majority of parents are gonna be disappointed based on what they thought they, I put them in the best clubs, they had that, I thought the best coaches, we did extra stuff. At some point that, that athlete is either gonna sink or swim based on his or her uh, genetic makeup and obviously the mental aspect of the uh, that goes into that but I can make somebody quicker based on some uh, exercises we do but I can never make that athlete quick enough to go to that next level no matter how much 
he or she wants to or the parents want them. They just, there's a ceiling on it. And it took me a while to really understand that because I'm a firm believer you work hard, you can get anywhere you want to some extent. But in athletics, at some point, everybody's using the same techniques, the same abilities, hiring different coaches. But how come some make it and some don't? And it really comes down to when you do the research, it's really from a genetic standpoint, who you are as a person. You know, can you uh, get quicker? Uh, do you have the, um, uh, the, the, the muscle build, the, uh, the internal workings of your body to actually maximize what, what you have versus this person who tries like the Dickens but just isn't genetically able to make that next leap. And, and, and it sounds kind of harsh, but that's the reality because if you took um, 12 players from any team and gave them the same amount of training, the same amount of game time, and somebody got a D1 scholarship and the other 10 didn't, what was the difference? Especially if those players all had the burning desire, they had the drive, they would do, they'd walk through the fire to get there, but they just didn't make it, but the one kid did. And then so, they go, well, his, uh, he's got a 32 inch vertical leap. These guys were 27, 28, good players, but yeah. not the level we need. So there's something that has to separate. And to me, that's what it comes down to. You know? So you got like so you're there's the elite player and then there's like the you know sort of like the standard player and then obviously there's players that aren't up to that that level, um, and so I would assume back in the early '80s, um, you know, say if there were a hundred kids playing, just uses round numbers, hundred kids playing, maybe there's like one or two elite players that you ever saw. Um, now as time has gone on, you know, you get to the late 90s, early 2000s, now maybe there's a thousand kids playing um, instead of one or two, so 10 or 20, um, you know, maybe there's like 30 elite level players, right? And it, I'm just curious, you know, based on sheer numbers. Mm -hmm. So now there's, you know, I think there's somewhere around 30,000 players uh, statewide. I think that's accurate. Mm -hmm. um, that was not the case when we were in high school. That wouldn't have been the case back in the 90s or the 80s for that matter. Um, there's no question that the, the the level or the standard of player, the average standard has risen because there's so many more players mm -hmm. that are they're getting what you talked about, like that organized coaching. Um, you know, they're, they're they have access to the tools to get them there. Mm -hmm. But would you say, you know, like let's just say previously there was, you know, five percent of the pool was elite players. You know, is it now that we're looking at? Is it still five percent, and we're just kind of looking at it that way, or is it? Is it, um, you know, really there's really only like 1% now? Because it doesn't, from our standpoint, we see, um, you know, like your, your roster of, you know, it's got six to eight Iowa guys. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you guys had six to eight Iowa guys? Um, and then where, how does that maybe correlate, you know, with the level of Grandview? You know, you guys have had, you have a rich history of, of being successful mm -hmm. and a lot of times have used Iowa players along the way. Yes. Well, well thanks for that. I appreciate that. I don't know what percentage would be. Yeah, um, I'm not. You don't need to put numbers on it. Yeah. Like just from your. Yeah, is the top three percent better today in 2019 than it was in 2000? 1999. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say no, but I'm interested to hear what your. Is it better? Is. Boy, I just don't. I don't know if it is or it's not. I think the game has improved i think the coaching's gotten better Certainly. i think the coaching techniques the the education of the coaches that can impart the their coaching to, and, and teaching to the kids has gotten better um 
could the guys in 2000 get better if they had the sort of equipment, the coaching, the opportunities for MRLEs, IP, IPL, or, or the are, yeah. uh, USL? You know, that's, that's kind of a tough question because there's some great players back in those days. And if they had what kids have now, I think they would be just as good and some of them definitely better. This is part of the question, though. I I guess, or like maybe this is part B to the question. So you talk about that, um, but back in the '90s, the you know, if you were one of the, I don't know, you know, name one of those players back then that used to coach for the Menace uh, that was from from the Des Moines area. Um, Well, you know, Driscoll did. Al Driscoll did. uh, Brian Joska. Go younger. Like think about because where I'm going with this Uh, is Jr. Fernandez. No, even younger. No, no. Where I'm going with this is that. in the 90s, like I'm trying to, th- I'm maybe late 90s, you remember like Johnny Walker, right? Like, John Walker, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if he's playing club soccer and he's playing around here and he's, you know, they're probably beating up on whatever team they're playing, but then when they go to regionals or they go out of state to bigger tournaments, mm-hmm. they were playing against some of the, mm-hmm. you know, like the elite players and they were traveling mm-hmm. a lot of times. I know we traveled to San Diego and to mm-hmm. Florida. We, mm-hmm. I mean, we traveled all over the place, Tennessee. And now a lot of these clubs, you know, at least I know when I was coaching, it was, you know, we traveled to Kansas City, we traveled mm-hmm. to Omaha. Uh, we were traveling at much uh, shorter distances, and we weren't exposing our players to the level of play necessarily that we see. So, like, I don't know if you have any development academy players on your roster, mm-hmm. um, or when you're recruiting players out of state, wh- mm-hmm. who they're playing for. Mm-hmm. But I'm just again kind of curious how. Like, that's maybe I think where uh, the next part of this question is: is are we giving? You, we have so many resources now. We've got mm-hmm. uniforms. You've got. Uh, you know, look online, all, the, all that. You have all this stuff as a player, right? Right. Well, look at all the tournaments that are around. I get eight or nine invites a week to go to this tournament, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Omaha, Minnesota. I mean, it's 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 crazy. It's, it's so how do you figure out where to find players and where are the good players? Well, I think I think that's I think that's up to you. If you are connected to your local scene and you're watching games in high school and club, and you have different contacts at clubs, and you say to a coach, "Hey, um, you know, tell me a little bit about your under nineteen or eighteen team. Who are the couple couple of the guys that you think would be worth taking a look at?" You know, those are the things that I have to pay attention to. Um, I, th- I think today's soccer player has so many, like you were saying, Ben, so many opportunities to get better, so much competition, um, so much more exposure. I think sometimes it comes down to a number. So if you're, if you're playing a, an elite team from a metro area that has uh, a million, two million kids, and there's only, what, 500,000 in Des Moines, I think that bigger metro area, area probably has a lot more talent to select from. And then when you have as many maybe clubs in the Des Moines area, um, you know, that each has their own set group of kids that they recruit and have tryouts, that further will dilute your, you know, uh, talent pool. Um, you know, I think the advent of pro soccer, you know, there's what, Sporting Kansas City, Iowa, Sporting Iowa, Sporting Nebraska, Sporting Minnesota. I think the professional teams have now reached out their uh, influence and trying to garner um, not only uh, a big club in the area, build up their fan base, but also provide opportunities for kids to maybe make that next leap. And if I'm a a kid or a parent, I might say, oh, Sporting Iowa, well, my kid wants to play pro, so maybe I'll take my kid there versus the club we've been at. 
you know. And then when that kid comes over to Sporting Iowa, you know, will that reality happen? Or does that kid come over and suddenly the kids that are already at Sporting Iowa are much better than him due to their coaching and experience that Sporting Iowa gives? I don't know. Well, use that That's, as a – I don't want to use that as a as – a, this is, it's just an easy direct example, right? West Moines, Johnson, Urbandale used to be just local clubs. Now yep. they have the affiliation. You've seen yep. them develop over the past 15, 20 years. Yep. They're not the only club that's done that, so I'm certainly not trying to pick on them. It's just it's what we're talking about. But is there any difference between West Des Moines, Johnson, Urbandale, and now Sporting Iowa? I mean, from, from an outsider's perspective who's recruiting players, do you say, well, this kid plays for Sporting Iowa, so he's definitely somebody I'm going to look at, whereas maybe before you go, well, he's just for playing for West Des Moines. So. That's, that's a good point. For me personally, no. Sure. You know, if, uh, if a kid's playing uh, for an obscure team and I hear about him through a contact or something, I'm going to go look at that kid because I've learned over, you know, sometimes the best kids aren't playing at the best level or the best clubs because of whatever reason. So sure. I like to think I'll, you know, I might go to Greenfield, Iowa to watch a kid that I heard this kid's just unbelievable. And if somebody could get him to Urbandale or to uh, VSA or, you know, this kid could really grow. So I'm, I'm on that kid. Yeah. You know. So can you share some recruiting secrets? So do you guys recruit? The best? <laughs> I know you can't. What you should call them secrets? All, all yeah. college coaches. <laughs> Turn the volume down. <laughs> so you try, is that fair to say you try to recruit the best kids in Iowa? You know what? You're, you're limited. As a coach, I'm limited with a recruiting budget, with a staff. Um, I, I, go, go ahead. So, do you like to, so give us your thoughts for an Iowa kid. Is that something important to you, specifically oh, Des Moines, to keep, to keep them in? Oh, I think so. I okay, mean, and how do you do that? Um, I think making making a contact. Yeah, I think we forgot Alex McGregor too. Was, I was going to yeah, ask if he was still playing. Johnson guy. Yeah, he's, he's red shirted. You know, he got okay. a pretty bad concussion, yeah, yeah. and he's he's still, you know. I like Alex McGregor. Good kid. You mean Spicoli? <laughs> no, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Great McGregor. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> They just have, yeah, how do you uh, get back at these inside jokes, get them out of here, because nobody else knows. <laughs> but but everybody knows fully except for you, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but just how do you recruit the Des Moines slash Iowa kid? I, where, do you, like, what, where do you go watch them? Yeah, you go watch them. You go watch them You um, uh, through through contacts. You know, we're, we're fortunate because some of the guys that have played at Grandview are now coaching at various clubs. Um, and I always say, hey, what do you, what do you think? Any guys uh, in your area you think uh, I'm missing? And they'll go, hey, we got this kid. You, I think you may want to look at them. So I think sticking at the game in one area and building up sort of those sorts of resources has been really helpful to me because you, you can't cover all. But to answer your question, we always want to recruit the best Iowa kids. Now, will the best Iowa kids give a real serious look to Grandview? Um, I think in some level they do, but if you're the best Iowa kids, I think they're looking at bigger fish to fry, whether it's real or not. And that was going to be part of my problem. I think not only the parents, coaches, and the player, but all, all those factors need to be real of who that player is and what really is the level that that kid can go to and play. So maybe you don't you want know? like the best player in Iowa, but you want like... If if the, the best player in Iowa wants to come to Grandview yeah, and is ser <laughs> and is yeah and is serious about it, I will sure. absolutely sit down and have a visit or do do whatever. But you know sometimes the best players have been um, 
how can I say to... They're either ambitious or they've been yeah, pumped with some or, or sometimes coaches <laughs> might say, look, yeah, Grandview's a good program, and they're good and all that stuff, but you can go on and play D1, you know? And I think sometimes we fight that simply to the fact that perhaps the kid could be a D1 le level player at some D1 program, but not the elite. And I always tell those kids that come from various clubs that are good and they're all state... And I said, well, what D1 offers do you have? And that kid's a junior. Well, nothing, but, you know, I've, I've been contacted by an assistant and stuff. And I feel like saying to that kid, and sometimes I do, I say, the reality is, if they want you, it's more than an assistant just reaching out and sending out a form letter or sending to play. They've already signed their guys for next year at the really high-level D1 program. Yeah, but I think it's fair to say, sorry to cut you up, that you guys have had over time plenty of guys that are capable of playing it. Uh, division yeah, definitely. Level. I, I agree. I, there's no. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So, um, and you, thank you for saying that. And I and I hope that there's any coaches and players out there. You know, they're going to get a really good soccer experience at Grandview. We play a national level schedule. Uh, we're always in the the mix of things, and it's a good it's a good level. Um, That's a super segue, just, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just real quick on that note, and then you yeah. can just no, no, I know where you're schedule. Going. Yes. I'm just going to make one step. I mean, you are playing the next. Five games, a team receiving votes, Benedictine. Number one preseason, Central Methodist, receiving votes, William Penn. Number two in the country, Missouri Valley. Number nine in the country, Baker. Those are... <laughs> Good luck, Coach. Those are the yeah. next five. So, yeah. It's like, we should have had you all flu coming on. Yeah. Yeah. So, you talk about scheduling. I mean, there you go, guys. You are playing the... I mean, there's two top, uh, top ten teams, three top ten teams in the country in the NAIA level, and then... And how um, many of those are from your conference? Three. Yeah. Oh, no, four. Yes. No, five. Wait a minute. I think it's five. They are all conference We play games. the toughest soccer conference in the nation. That's what Vince was talking about. The 208 NAIA teams that play. So, yes, yeah, so I had to go ahead, Ben. I, no, I, that was the segue, about, though, because he was talking about how what, what level of play they are and how strong of a schedule and all the teams you play. And then I, I just figured that was a great time for you to talk about that. But then also, um, you know, maybe tell us a little about how you – obviously you've – done something to get in that conference, whether that was just be a good team or maybe you're just geographically in the right place. But uh, <laughs> and we, and we talked to the Baylor coach, Paul yeah. Jobs on the women's side. He's, now that they are kind of in the upper echelon um, there, but they still schedule teams that are, quote, mid-majors. They aren't too good to um, go away on the road and play anybody. You know, they're still trying to schedule top teams. Yes, yes. Tell us about your non-conference Obviously, you have a difficult schedule, but you are still trying to schedule top teams. We are. We are. I mean, geographics and budgets pay into, you know, if you're Stanford, you have unlimited resources and stuff. Or maybe Drake does. I don't know. Garrett? No, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I, for, for me, my philosophy is if you come to Grandview University to play soccer, you're going to have a great experience. We're going to make you a better player by the time you leave, whether it's after two years, three years, or four years, you're going to be a better player. You're going to play top-level competition and get to a national tournament. Those are the things that are important to us. So um, geographically, we are limited uh, from a budget perspective, but there's so many good teams in the Midwest. Yeah. Like we just played Columbia, who's a top-20 team. Uh, they were in the round of 16 last year. Uh, so we try to find teams. I mean, Midland University, I think, was receiving votes. We went down there to play in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. So we're we're trying to find the best competition we can 
I mean, Bellevue University I was, was uh, number 14, or they ended up number six in the nation. Um, so we, we tried to, not only in our conference, which is, again, ranked in the one of the top, if not the top in the NEIA as far as competition and teams, uh, the 12 teams in there, but outside of our conference, more likely in a geographical area that is conducive to our budget. Question, you know? why not Hastings? Where's the Hastings? Well, we played Hastings last year, okay. and actually, a uh, good, good team. And sometimes it's hard to get on the schedule. Uh, maybe the Hastings coach will listen, but we're beating these guys 2-1. And then we ended up the last 16 minutes giving away three goals. So we sure would like to come up to Hastings and try win those uh, that game back, Coach. <laughs> I love it. But but, but Hastings another thing, you know. So we try to get into their tournament. So it's it's, you know, when you walk across that graduation stage and you get your diploma from President Heading, I want you to feel you got a great education, but you you had a great soccer experience and you love it. And you might go into coaching and you, or you might impart what you have learned to the younger players to improve you know, the sport and, and their level and enjoyment. The, uh, another uh, aspect is you have to enjoy it. I don't like guys coming to practice and just feel, oh shoot, well, you know, I want them to be excited, uh, not only from what they're learning or they might hear a really good new joke from me, which is always a, that's, that's a rarity. <laughs> But uh, it's, they, I want them to leave having, you know, I, I just lo I love the game. You yeah, know, my kids, my kids are going to play or my kid, I'm going to take my kid down to Sporting Kansas City and watch a game. I want, I'm going to go overseas to Old Trafford and, you know, and, ju and just love it. And here's the thing, soccer 10 years ago to soccer now, think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the access, just the the coverage, the, the, the connectivity. Yeah, and 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 the, the, money. Per, the money, the purchasing power now yeah, is unbelievable. And who's getting us? Who got a team? St. Louis. Yep. Yep. So yeah, the Midwest is kind of <sighs> kind of cool. Look at that, St. Louis, uh, Minnesota, Chicago. I mean, Omaha is going to be Omaha USL next year. One. Omaha is gone USL yeah, one. Yeah, we're just on a little island. Let's get after it. Isn't there a big announcement coming? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Sometime. So the next topic would be. Some, so the other thing on that, no, I just caught was really interesting. The number of alumni you have coaching is is large in, in throughout Des Moines in the club yes. scene in the university scene. So I just thought, you know, you that's um, that's pretty cool that how many guys you have now that have stuck around in our coaching. Um, is good, I think. I think I think that says something about where they've played. I think it says something about Des Moines. I think it says something about the opportunity that these young men have, and it's it's just a good marriage uh, all the way around. So, Iowa wins, Des Moines wins, Grandview wins. I think the kids win. I think the guys that stuck around in coaching, and also let's be fair, there's a lot of guys from Drake University that have stuck around or are invested in the soccer. Uh, community as well yeah, and stuff and that's you know and I don't mean to purposely leave out any other schools or anything but you know those two schools have had a pretty good impact on locally on on soccer here yeah great so I have one last question for you and then we got to wrap it up um, so you, uh, you talked about the your schedule and just how competitive it, it, it is um, with coach Jobson we, we just talked a lot about you know, he's kind of saying, well, I'm, I'm developing players and I, 
I'm concerned about how we play and if it looks good and this, that, and the other thing. But his program's at a level where they, they have to win, you know, like, and that's how he looks at it. So, um, like, for example, when they played Drake, um, I mean, they put the ball down and played, but they also knew when to play direct and get behind and put, put them under pressure and play in the other half and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you kind of balance that? Um, and the last little comment he made that I thought was super interesting was he said, these kids are at the, m- most of them, the end of their playing career. So you're not going to make uh, 18-year-old Blake Sievers, like he's not going to just get a better left foot. Uh, he's got four years to figure out how to be a winner uh, mm-hmm. and be, you know, be a contributor at that level. So like, so how do you balance that with, you know, obviously you always want to make kids better and you want to play good soccer, but you know, you're also playing to win and you know, these kids you can't necessarily teach a kid to use his left foot at the age of 18. Again, you're going to hate me, Ben, but yes. Um, <laughs> obviously, every every coach and every team wants the result and they want that W, you know, so that that's why we play games to win. Uh, but there is a, an important aspect of development. And you made a point, uh, maybe um, uh, you not so much focusing on that kid to use his left foot because he's never used it, but what you can focus on is other aspects of the game so you can win the match. And I think that's absolutely true. But along the way, why not work on the left foot? It's kind of like, so that, that forward guy that never uses his left foot, yeah. changes everything to his right, that one half second he tries to move it over, defender p- puts a good block on. Yeah. I guess, well, maybe better, it's better to say like, you're not going to make Blake into Roberto Carlos. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> but, Genetically predisposed. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. But you can turn him into a, a serviceable left back and maybe absolutely. turn him into a competitor. Late absolutely. Late and, veins or something. Yeah, maybe late veins. Yeah, and, and, to, <laughs> and to love the game even more and to challenge him to get better with uh, using his left or being a better header of the ball because, it's, again, as a forward, that ball comes to your left foot, you're inside the six, and if trying to reach in across to pull it to your right, you just toe poke it with your left, it goes in, it's like, oh my God, I wouldn't have done that a year ago. But because Coach harped on me, harped on me, he made me take 10 shots every freaking day for a month with my left foot, and it just became a little bit more of a habit. Sure. You know, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in making you a better player uh, with the tools that you have doesn't mean you stop on the good stuff you have, keep improving the your good aspects, but nothing nothing wrong with you know, but throwing you're a not, few things. But you're not gonna play out of the back, out the left side every single time. No. If, and if you can't. If no. you can't, correct. I mean so so it's, so it's balance yeah. knowing your weaknesses, but maybe working I on agree. them but still saying okay. Yeah, but but keep building on the strengths. Yeah. And you can't Seems just a little bit. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you can't and you can't you, you can't stop a player or try to change him or her too much to what they're comfortable and what they do well, because then they start second guessing themselves or could. So sure. you f- have to find that fine line, and you know, yeah, yeah, awesome. good point. Mm, fair enough. Well, we've we've appreciated your time. It's always good to talk to you. I think there's a lot of interesting uh, information covered today, Siebs. And good, yeah, and good luck near the next month of the season, because that's we'll find we'll find out a lot about. Grandview men's team, won't we? Hear? We we will. I, I I think the guys are looking forward to it. But you're you're right. It's uh, some of the top competition in the NEI, and we'll kind of know who we are. And you know, and again, because I'm a little bit older, coach, need to keep a perspective. You could lose all these games by a goal, and be absolutely disappointed. And are you out of the conference race? Possibly. But you're not out of trying to have a great season by coming back and winning the conference tournament, getting to nationals. Um, 
sometimes um, as a younger coach, if things weren't going right, you start thinking too far ahead, like all is lost. And, uh, but it really isn't. And, that, and that's the beauty. Even if you were 0-18 in the Big Ten, right? I don't know if you qualify. I don't, think, I don't know if that but, works, but, but you, anyway, we, you uh, lose all your games. Eight, yeah, eight teams <laughs> qualify in our conference. So here, here's the thing. If we're number eight and we squeak in, doesn't mean we can't go all the way. doesn't mean that, you know, especially if you know you're a good team. Yep. You know, so I never want to put that pressure on a team. Guys, if we lose these games, our season's screwed up, and here we got, you know, we got seven games left, right? And your so, RPI is going to be, even if you lose, your RPI is going to be somewhat reasonable. I hope so. Respectful. Yeah. It just depends on how that comes, So that comes out, October, I was doing, again, doing some research, October sure. 2nd, first kind of. Uh, yeah, the first RPI. So that'll be, yes. um, and is that, you guys pay attention to that? I, I'd be a liar to say no, but yes. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you you want to see. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was one year, I think it was 2017, we didn't make it, but our RPI was really, really good. You know, and had, so what we, is that? we were right on the cusp of having an invite based on being the, was it the 16th top schedule or something? Yeah. But What is the at-large, generally the at-large number for RPI need to be to qualify for? <sighs> oh, good question. Mm. 50-ish? Yeah, once they've got the the 23 24 teams and i think there's six at large okay you know your rankings uh were you in the top 10 or 15 schedule you played opponents yeah it usually comes down to where your positioning is in that top 20 though each week you know sure um there's been some teams that got waltzed over because they lost in their conference tournament final and even though their rpi was good but other yeah, yeah. Sometimes it, it's not a um, it's not a super fair way to select teams, but it's probably the fairest way that we have at this point and stuff. So I'm a big proponent of uh, trying to look at all the factors to select those teams. But sometimes teams get hard done by. It's it's a tricky it's, process. It is. It's never a fair process for the guys that get left on the outside that have a legitimate case to to get in. You know, but. Um, Oh well, you know, like my mom used to say, it's only it's only we laddies kicking the ball around in shorts, right? In the big per, in the big perspective of things, you know, it's uh, it's just a game, right? Oh, that's uh, a thousand percent true. I like that. Yeah. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks for your time, Blair. Blake, it's always a pleasure. Ben, uh, I've I've I always loved coming and speaking with you guys, and you guys challenge me every time with these tricky questions. He's hopefully, up for it. Yeah, and hopefully we'll get a little gift uh, next time he comes in. Well, you know what? If you if you give me that invite onto the panel, you know, you, you know, one hand washes the other, right? <laughs> Our people will be in touch. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Blair. Heaps. <laughs>
So um, we'll uh, wish wish the Vikings good luck there, um, and kind of see how they do, right, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's their Twitter handle? Have we found this the yet? Grandview Men's Ben. Yeah. What do you know? Do you know it? I I do. You're last in the Grandview Men's Soccer. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. They are at G V U Men's Soccer, and that's with two S's in there. Very good. Yeah, follow them on Twitter. Um, stay up to date on their games and go check them out coming up here in the next uh, next little bit against uh, Benedictine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In the meantime, let's uh, let's thank our sponsors one more time for helping us get here. Um, Scott Insurance Services, old Billy Scott, shout out to you. If you need any uh, insurance help, you can always hit Billy up. Um, or find him on the internet at www.scott-insurance-services.com. We can't forget our good boy, old Roy Keener. Uh, you want to give a little uh, shout for Michael? Yeah, Michael Keener, attorney at law. Anything that uh, you need on the legal side, he would be a good good guy to call. Um, He's, he's got a great sense of humor, that Michael Keener. He does. Um, and finally, Ben, you know, uh, our newest sponsor is Purple Poppy Boutique. You know, on Twitter, they are at The Purple Poppy. Um, Paula, living over there, um, over in Johnston there on Merle Hay Road. So, um, yeah, and if you're, if you're feeling adventurous at all and you, uh, you've got a, a little bit of time to kill... You can always go back and listen to that uh, that podcast we did over there at Purple Poppy. That was episode 31. Um, anyway, so we'll uh, we'll catch you at our next and final uh, college soccer interview. Uh, stay tuned. To next time.